0: It takes two. I thought one was enough.
1: It's not true. It takes two of you. Just the two of us. It takes
0: two. All right, welcome to "It Takes Two, a podcast from the Village Conservatory for Music Theater. For those of you who don't know, on It Takes Two, we sit down with emerging artists and professional artist pairs from across Canada who've been working together over the course of four weeks on a mentorship process. At the end of those four weeks, they present a wonderful piece of something that they've worked on together. I'm your host for today, Daphne Finlayson, and joining me today are Jillian Willems and Sam Hutchings.
1: Hi! Woo-hoo. <laughs> so thrilled to be here, to be back at the place where I basically live, yes. the Village Conservatory <laughs> podcast page. <laughs> And
0: this season, we are also so grateful to be sponsored by the Crescent Arts Center and gratefully acknowledge the support of the Canada Council for the Arts in making this podcast possible. Yay, thank you. Woo-hoo. So, to start off with, Sam, Jill, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Sam,
1: I'd like you to go first. Okay, I will. Uh,
2: I'm Sam and yeah i'm a theater artist who fell in love with theater through dance like many people in our community so i grew up a dancer and through that fell in love with musical theater and pursued training uh, in that field and now i'm starting to think about you know transitioning to the creative side of that world and explore my my abilities as a choreographer and as a creator in that way i love to perform and i love to dance but I really wanted to start building those muscles of putting those things on other artists. I love movement and dance has taken me into some other areas as well in my practice, but this is my first love.
1: You had such a beautiful answer. I'm like, hi, (laughs) I'm Jillian. (laughs) You've probably heard my voice if you've listened to uh, Monkeys and Playbills, which is a show that I co-host with Paul DeGers. So I uh, started out... With a passion for musical theater films, I guess, would be where the love of it began. And then I started to sing. So I actually approached the art form through the the singing side of things. And then it was later where I sort of discovered that I could marry my passion for movement and music and, and acting all together in the art form. I didn't have a sort of like traditional dance background and so the beautiful thing coming together with Sam is that it felt like she had that and so the exchange of information and energy was actually super useful both ways because she had a perspective that I just like don't have at all and it was wonderful to to hear from her and to to learn from her through this process as well.
0: Amazing so that kinda of leads into my next question. So for those of you who don't know, as we were um trying to find emerging artists to be part of this process, we got to sit down with them and interview them about, you know, who they wanted to work with. And Sam You pretty much said just Jillian Willems. (laughs) Jill or Buss, that's the only person that you want to work with. So kind of talk me through why why that
1: was.
2: (laughs) Uh, For a plethora of reasons. Oh, that was a good word. Well done. Keep that in. I chose Jill because, as she mentioned, she has this beautiful understanding and love for the art form and... Like listening to you on Monkeys and Playbills, you're like an encyclopedia of information (laughs) when it comes to musical theater. And not only that, having worked with you before and seeing how you work with other artists in the room as a director and choreographer, I just really admire your approach working with people, but also in the product that you create. And I just want to mirror that in my practice. But I really, really wanted like a lesson in musical theater history. Like yeah. this is, we've talked about your developing mus- like dance history, musical theater history 101 with mm-hmm. Jillian Willems will be a <laughs> course offered. Um, so I wanted to be the guinea pig for that. Mm, yes. <laughs> but yeah, just really soak in that information that you have of like knowing all of these people and and shows at, that made their mark and, and paved the way to like the impact that we are seeing in contemporary musical theater as well.
0: So then Jill, kind of same question, why Sam?
1: I was really flattered to be thought of in this way. So thank you for all of those kind words. I think because I still feel like a small baby child in the arts, I sort of am confused a little is my like initial reaction when someone's like, I would love to learn from you because I haven't reached a point in my life or career where I felt like I needed to talk about my own process as a way of reflecting on it. So it was actually scary to be approached because I'm going, oh no, what am I gonna say? I'm, is anything that I say going to have value? Like spoiler alert, yeah. Cause like, <laughs> that's how we all coexist with, you know, sharing what we know. But I just was like a little bit nervous about it. And then as soon as we had our first get together where we talked about what your goals were, Sam, for this project, it just sort of like opened it up for me where I was like, Oh, you came to me specifically because of something we had shared in the past, which was this like mutual love of the history of movement in musicals and how it informs what we do today. So it was really, yeah, I was all all the feels. <laughs> <laughs> which is so interesting,
0: because like I remember during one of my first mentorship experiences, um, my mentor asked me, So if you had the chance to mentor somebody, what would what would you do? And I was like I am not ready for that. What are you talking about? I am a I am a wee babe swaddled in the burdens of youth. How will I how will I know when I'm ready to mentor someone?
1: Yeah, I'll let you know. Once we were doing it, it felt very natural. I don't know if you had the same feeling, but it just felt like our styles of not only teaching but receiving information are quite similar. Totally, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so it did really fall into a nice collaborative um, dance, if you will.
0: Whoa, (laughs) that
1: was was good. (laughs) Thank you so much.
0: So Sam, what kind of were your goals for this project?
2: My main goal was to, yeah, come out the other end with a more tangible understanding of the choreographers and dancers as well that made a huge mark on theater dance and understand the shows and understand why they made an impact. Why were these good? Why do we remember, (laughs) like, why do we still talk about these shows and still do these shows and still revisit this choreography, like... I wanted to add to my vocabulary as a choreographer and understand what was iconic about, you know, Fosse or Agnes DeMille or what have you. I could keep name dropping all day to show off what I've learned with Jillian, (laughs) but I won't. Um, But understand what they were doing and how I can build on that and create my own style and also play homage to these people from the past.
1: Yeah. If I could add to this, so just for the listeners to get an idea of what the goal was for this project so your goal coming in and I'm so glad you had a clear vision of what you wanted because i think i would have spent three weeks feeling insecure about trying to come up with something for us so i'm just like really pleased that you were so firm in what you wanted to learn Um, and you had such a strong framework for folks at home who are listening who are going to be seeing your final project spoiler alert we just filmed it you you had come in with this pretty clear idea that you wanted to demonstrate these choreographers and what they what they contributed that was iconic at any given moment in musical theater history so we did work chronologically which was really useful I think for this format the other thing that you did that is unique is that some of the pieces are replicas and some are just influenced by in style and I think that's a really exciting thing. And I'd love for people to give feedback on that, to be like, oh, I recognize the essence of that. And then that was an exact replica. It'll be interesting to see what people notice about it.
2: And I think as an exercise, it was nice to play with that mix of like, "Okay, what's it like to find this footage of Rich Man's Frog and watch it and go, okay, I'm learning this. I have to be specific about what I'm doing here and actually understand the style. And other times where we'd watch like clips from Newsies and then kind of create our own choreography collaboratively inspired by that style. Uh, So doing both of those, I think was a really good practice.
1: I think that's probably what you'll encounter in the wild too, right? Like you'll always want to have the frame of reference of like decade, style, musical. Yeah, where this context is for this musical. And then you are the one that's going to be creating that. You're not Mm -hmm. ever going to be just sort of like redoing someone else's work. So it's a really fun challenge to approach it this way.
0: So we're kind of touching on the piece a little bit already, but um, sort of explain to me what the thought process was behind it and how, how it kind of came about. Yeah, so
2: I, with the inception of This project or the idea of reaching out to the Vic and Jill to work on this I was like okay what's what's a tangible something Mm -hmm. we can create that marries my creativity and also learning about all these wonderful choreographers and so my initial thought and what we ended up going with was cheesy evolution of dance video on YouTube (laughs) with millions and millions of views Uh, so it was creating my own interpretation of that with theater dance so we had a whole extensive research process where we went through all of these musicals back we started at Oklahoma just because we wanted Mm. to have some kind of reference point in terms of video that we could look at so anything before that was difficult to replicate because we just can't see what was Mm -hmm. happening but we started there and went through this long long list of shows that stood out Uh, in research online, in our own lives, what we really were drawn to. And then from there, narrowed it down. And that was the hard part of (laughs) going, okay, like there were some musicals on the list that at the beginning of the project, I was like, oh, this is like, such an iconic dance show, like it made such a big impact. Like, I love this show. It's going to for sure be in there. And then it didn't make the final cut, because, mm-hmm. which was really interesting. Like one that comes to mind was Chicago, which is obviously a show that people think of as like a dance show. And yeah. it, it is. But in looking at other pieces that Flossie did, there was actually less innovation in Chicago mm-hmm. than at the time, than other things that he was working on before and after. Yep. So that was one that we cut that was surprising. And there was things we kept in that were also surprising. Mm-hmm. like, oh, I wouldn't have thought this show actually or this choreographer in this moment in time was doing something totally out of the blue mm-hmm. or totally new. But they were. Like even with the style of something from We Did The Wiz, it's a style that looks so familiar today. Yes. But at the time wasn't really what we were seeing.
1: There were some really delightful surprises as far as like When we looked at the piece as a whole from beginning to end, we wanted to connect the dots so that people receiving it could be like, oh, I didn't realize this was right before this. And that makes sense why it would be influenced by. And then also with the lens of today, of course, because we're always looking at things through our 2022 lens. It Yeah, I was just pleasantly surprised by some of the things we could include. And yes, very surprised when Chicago didn't make it. Mm-hmm. But I think it was the Controversial. right choice. <laughs> Controversial. <laughs> Fight me. No, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> so as you're looking back on these pieces of musical theater history, what were, what were some of the trends that you noticed or what kind of made a dance or style of choreography particularly
1: iconic? That was actually probably what was the guiding light for the structure as a whole. If we're starting with Agnes DeMille, and Oklahoma through our lens today, we look at it and we're like, oh, it's just like ballet. But actually, at the time, it was considered modern dance, which we were not seeing yet. We weren't seeing people dancing the feelings of the others on stage. So it was iconic in its way. But to look at it now, you're sort of like, oh, it's like a beautiful, flowy, orchestrated piece with arms and jumps. Well, yeah. If we're gonna,
2: if we're gonna- <laughs> If we're going to talk about Oklahoma, and the way that's how we start the piece, is with the dream ballet sequence, it was interesting because the last piece that we found, the last piece that we included, was from Jagged Little Pill, of all things. Mm -hmm. You know, the dance musical, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Chicago, step aside. In this modern show, we found an example that mirrored what was happening in Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. which was like this... Dream ballet idea where another, a dancer was interpreting the story of this actor in this song. Mm -hmm. So it was really cool. There was actually a lot of moments. It was really cool to see the repetition and things that were happening as recent as a couple years ago that are still influenced by what was happening back in the golden age.
1: I have to say that was a huge surprise because I wasn't expecting to find such a full circle moment through this process. I think I was anticipating that the answer would be, oh, we just keep going and making up new things and piggybacking on the things that came before and it'll always be new. It is still new, but it's not, if that makes sense. Yeah. It was kind of like a beautiful discovery of this.
2: Yeah, we, we had to be really concise because we were trying to do very short snippets of each, each musical, each song that we were doing. So that was a challenge of like, okay, how do we tell us this story or show this character in like two counts of eight or 10 seconds? Sometimes when we were creating our own interpretation instead of taking the choreography as it was done initially that would be usually be our starting point of okay where are we at in the story and what's happening to this person where are we feeling this in our bodies and I think that's how we approached pretty much every time Mm -hmm. we were creating on our own was trying to go from that that story place first
1: like where are we in space and time because that will inform us as in terms of style where we should be landing And so it was interesting to have to almost do different processes for different parts of the piece. And I think that echoes a little bit of what it's like in the room because everyone has such a different way of communicating when you're working on a show. And so being able to have different reference points and different ways of communication or different ways of communicating the same idea so that everyone can receive that information and make it make sense for them, I think that was Pretty cool about the process that I also didn't hadn't really thought of until you asked this question. So thank you. Again, forcing me to talk about my process.
0: (laughs) Did you find that you kind of learned more about what your process was? Like, do you think you're able to like vocalize
1: that now? Ooh, no. I think I've just had to reflect on it more. And I'm going to work on a one sentence pitch for myself (laughs) moving forward. But it is almost always about story for me. I think I did. It just cemented that.
0: Yeah, that's always one of the hardest things for me on like a grant application. They're always like, <laughs> write an artistic statement. And I'm like,
1: I like theater. Yeah.
0: I, I don't know.
2: It, exactly. It's fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> How about you, Sam? Did you feel like you were kind of able to work through what your process is like as a as a dancer, as a mover, as a choreographer? I think I worked through a lot of options mm-hmm. as to what I can
2: put in my little dancer choreographer toolbox and pull from. I definitely cannot put into one sentence what my process is. (laughs) That's really freaking hard. But it was a really nice reminder working with Jill when we were creating stuff together and even having just conversations about, I definitely went, so Jill, what's your process as a Mm. choreographer? (laughs) Tell me in one (laughs) sentence. But talking through that together inspired me when I was creating for other things throughout the course of these four weeks. I would stop if I was just creating from a place of nothingness and yes. like product oriented. I have to teach this combination. Like, hurry up, get this done. And going, okay, well, what happen if I just listen to the music and go, where am I? Mm-hmm. What's happening? What? Who is this person? And maybe that would even make it easier to churn <laughs> out this choreography. Looking at it from that perspective, from that story perspective, made it more enjoyable mm-hmm. and easier and fun. And that's a place i always love to work from. But sometimes... As, you know, a working artist, mm-hmm. when you're, if you're teaching or choreographing and you have to create, sometimes it doesn't come from that fun, joyful place because you have to do it and you have to be prepared for these other people. Mm-hmm. So this process was a really nice way to just connect to that joy in creating yeah. and, and enjoying movement again. So mm-hmm. thanks, Jill.
1: Thank you. I think you hit the nail on the head a lot of times. I've talked to you know, various artists about this part of our work where it starts to feel like work or like a job where you notice that the work you're doing is almost just by rote. You're doing it just to get it done because you have this deadline or whatever. And I think remembering that it actually doesn't take more time to stop, think, and then do it from a place that's actually very comfortable and familiar instead of just, you know, artificially or surface creating. So... That's a challenge when that's when a lot of your life is teaching and you have to have fresh dance combos every week. But it's it's nice to remember that you can just come back to what you love about it.
0: Yeah, I know it's something that we've talked about, you know, privately or, you know, one-on-one that, you know, at the Village Conservatory, we're very much focused on being process and not product oriented. So how does that, you know, inform your artistic practice and how do you How do you strive to keep finding the joy in in what you do?
1: I don't consider myself like a great technical dancer. I like the style that I found in myself. And I think I have, you know, enough ability to execute someone else's movement. But I, I have limits as far as what I can do. Yeah, with my movement, you know, I can't super kick my face. I can't do a triple or a quadruple pirouette, and I know that about myself. So for me, because that feels very much like the end part of the process, I think, or the end result, I think it allowed me, once I came to terms with the fact, okay, you're just never gonna be a person who's doing triples, so just enjoy getting there and enjoy the style and find joy in the movement itself, which is sort of what you were talking about with process versus product. So. I think, yeah, once I came to terms with that, it felt better to sit in process a lot more. And also because it seems like my skill set is currently being used in a choreographic or or from a direction perspective more, it allowed me to sit with that a little longer and to feel happier in that. It did take some time to, to come to terms with. It wasn't like an overnight... I'll just decide that I'm fine being an okay dancer. Like, <laughs> but it, it definitely freed me up a little bit once I was able to do that. I don't know, I mean, we come from pretty different backgrounds. We've talked about this a little bit and came over for a little wine and we had like a nice chat about our history and where we had come from as far as our dance backgrounds. And I'd love to hear what you think about it because I consider you to be a really excellent technical dancer and storyteller. So this answer is probably going to be very different for you. So I'd love to hear it.
2: In the last few years, I've definitely felt a shift in how I look at process and product. Because we, I, at least in my artistic practice, spend way more time in process than mm. in this final product, right? Yeah. So when I looked back on these different processes for as a performer, as a teacher, as a choreographer, when I was so focused and stressed about this beautiful product yeah. that the process became kind of ugly. And that wasn't a good feeling. I think working with kids and seeing their joy mm. and absolute elation in creating and playing in their process and like could not care less about their product. <laughs> <laughs> At least the kids I was working with. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. To me, that's a yucky, ugly thing. And I would rather see a dancer or a piece of theater with beautiful storytellers Mm -hmm. and people who are living in that story. We want to see someone who is living in a beautiful, joyful process and work with people who are wonderful to have Mm. alongside you in the process and tell a beautiful story through their movement and with their other artists, right?
1: Mm -hmm yeah collaboratively yeah that's a really great point point. and a lot of dance technique it feels very individual like of course you've got your group numbers but once you start doing solos it starts to feel like oh it's just like about me and i'm not in service to anything but if you are working as a collective there's yeah there's that collaboration which is a really beautiful gift and also helps with the process product sort of conundrum
0: Now, I know both of you are like dance instructors and dance choreographers. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you either definitely do or deliberately don't do when it comes to um, how you teach dance to other people?
1: We actually had the same (laughs) high school dance teacher. That's pretty weird and wild and amazing. But I think she was formative for both of us, just based on the conversations that we have. Um, She gave us a lot of creative freedom. We had opportunities to self choreograph. And then even after I had graduated, she had allowed me to come back into the school and teach um, the other kids. I'm so glad she saw that in me before I saw that in myself, because she prepared me in a way that I don't think I would have gotten that ball rolling as quickly as I did.
2: Growing up as a studio dancer for years and years and years, I went to high school and had the wonderful, amazing, can't sing her praises enough, mm-hmm. Kristen Downey, Mrs. Downey, <laughs> as Jillian would call her, <laughs> who exactly op- opened that door to finding what it's like to have this beautiful process as a choreographer and really pulled the creative creative side and really pulled my creativity out of me, which sounds like she did for Joe mm-hmm. as well. And yeah. I'm sure so many other students. And she was such, such a formative person in my life mm-hmm. as, as an artist. And teachers, man.
1: You were taught by Brenda too. Yes. For me, she introduced me to the marriage of movement and text and song and everything. So that was really useful. I feel yeah. like it's like a rite of passage in the city. Truly. <laughs> to the it truly is. Yeah. And Brenda did give me a lot of teaching opportunities too as a young adult, which was very useful. So again, people seeing something in you before you notice it in yourself mm-hmm. is really special. And I wish I could see them all more often and thank them more often because it's true. It really made all the difference. Absolutely.
0: So I know you mentioned that you had uh, wine nights. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what else has this mentorship looked like for you, folks, over the over the last four weeks? We
2: started with meetings about talking through what we envisioned for this project, mm-hmm. and that was kind of our starting point. And then through meetings with that, we would we went through the list together. Mm-hmm. Jillian very kindly lent me her beautiful
1: <laughs> thick musical <laughs> theater. What was it? What's it called? It's like a tome, but it has. I think the longest running shows is what it includes, but it also includes little factoids about other shows. But that was helpful in terms of deciding on the list of influential things, I think. You had mm-hmm. already come in with a pretty good list mm-hmm. as well.
2: But it was nice to go through that together and do the narrowing down together and the mm-hmm. picking it apart because that was that was the difficult part of finding those grains of like, why do we need to look at this one and why not this one? And yeah, yeah so going through that process together and moved into choreography sessions together. When we were doing
1: the choreography, we did start by asking ourselves, okay, is this one that we feel we should honor by doing it exactly as it exists? Or is this one that we should use to influence our version of it or Sam's version of it? And so we were able to, as we were creating each section, to decide if yeah, which direction we wanted to go in. And I think that was kind of nice to know that if, We felt like we don't want to mess with this one. Let's just do it as is. We could make that decision in the moment. And then sometimes we were inspired to go in our direction with it. So it was kind of cool.
2: It all flowed really naturally when we went into putting it on its feet. Mm-hmm. And I think because that was the conversation we had going into this project of that's the words that we used. <laughs> Let's focus on the process and yep. not so much on the product. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think hopefully it's a good it's a good final product because it we filmed it earlier today and it it was a really joyful experience mm. which was the goal. So. Even though
1: you were like so exhausted. Very exhausted.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and <I'm, laughs> rightfully so. <laughs> Maybe you heard some heavy breathing at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> that was definitely me. But it was, it was nice to really flow with what felt right with mm-hmm. each piece on its own and enjoy the process and think about what I was getting out of looking at each of these little snippets yeah and learning and not worrying about. But what if I don't do it exactly yeah. like Jerome Robbins? I don't look <laughs> like I can be in
1: West Side Story. I'm not a jet. Right. Yeah, I get that. yeah But you are. I'm me. a jet, okay. There was a moment where you were like, talking about Fosse, talking about jazz hands. And then I thought, wait, how often does Fosse actually use jazz hands? Mm. We asked it out loud and then it was this moment of like, oh, actually not that often, like maybe in Pippin a bit and then a bit in Chicago, but Fosse is synonymous with jazz hands but actually didn't do it that often. So it was just like little moments of discovery like that that were so satisfying where I was like, ooh, maybe I should do a little more research myself. Like just, yeah, it was cool to have those light bulb moments.
2: And in between all of that work on the project itself, that was definitely the focus of our weeks together. And through that, we learned a lot about, you know, both of each other's processes Mm -hmm. and how we work. But we also did have some conversations of, I would ask Jill, where do you start with different pieces? Mm. Because... When you're approaching a musical, if you are the director, you have a script, right? Mm-hmm. If you're the music director, you have a score. If you're a choreographer, y- you have those things to inform mm-hmm. your work. But I don't know. Doesn't <laughs> doesn't it feel a little more like a blank slate mm-hmm. sometimes?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And talked about a starting point of where to jump off from to inform you know and of of course with shows that have these giant canons of having been done over and over and over Mm -hmm. you can refer to that source material should you choose to yeah like how do you start something completely fresh
1: Mm -hmm. I think it forced me to talk about that out loud and especially as I'm entering into a new season of shows and having to create movement it was actually very useful to yeah to say it out loud and to go oh this is actually where I start And usually where I start, oh, um, spoiler alert, it's the score. I start with the score, personally. That's my favorite place. And I listen really hard to the orchestrations. But yeah, just having to, or getting to rather talk about that with you and to hear the things that we share in terms of our similar approaches, but also our differences. I think is really neat. I love that about this sort of project of getting to exchange. It's an exchange more than a mentorship, mentee relationship. Absolutely. And I think that's
0: super important to learn that you both have things to learn from each other.
1: Yeah, I mean, Sam has an extensive vocabulary on on technique and I'm like a person who's very much like do that kick thing with the inside <laughs> and the bluey blue. But like- The creativity that came from dance and I was like, I would not have gone there and it ended up looking really good and authentic to you. And so that was really neat, remembering that it is collaborative, the pressure is not all on you, even if it does feel that way, there are other people that want to participate in that and that is a gift.
2: I think one of the biggest things that I learned about creative process from Jill was just like I mentioned, coming from that idea of, of story, which really should always be where Mm. everything is coming from. But I really needed that reminder again, because I think I do get tied up sometimes in the aesthetic of something or the execution of something as opposed to, okay, this is a person expressing Mm -hmm. a, a story through their bodies. Like what is, how does, how do we start it from there? Yeah. And you just have such a beautiful way of doing that and not and not just doing that, but understanding it and needing to and wanting to come from that place. Oh, okay, yep. I don't know. It just feels like everything that you create from the outside looking in <laughs> at least, it seems like everything that you create comes from such an authentic place of wanting to serve the story. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to do as a choreographer. Mm. And so I feel like I know how to do that a little bit better after yeah. being-
1: Yeah, I think you were doing it. It just solidified that that was something you were maybe already doing or starting to do. And then this was just the permission to just keep following that instinct. Like simultaneously while learning something new or setting a new intention for your work, you're unpacking maybe some of the things that don't serve you anymore. And that's a hard thing to do when you've been told to operate a certain way. And Sam, you were with us at the Vic how you've grown in the last couple of years as a teacher and an artist, and your awareness, how it's expanded in different ways. It's been really wonderful to to watch and to be a part of, and to sort of change the focus, the process, product focus, which is something we are super passionate about here at the, at the VIX. So um, just seeing that that's something that's continued in your practice and continued in your artistic pursuits is really lovely and affirming.
0: So we call this
1: project, It Takes
0: Two. And one of the things we talked a little bit about with Kevin and Jacob last time was this importance of representation and being able to see yourselves in your theater elders, as it were. And so what does that kind of mean for you folks as two wonderful AFAB individuals in in this world of the arts?
1: I feel really lucky to be invited into spaces as a Creator now more um, and being able to be in the room. I think actively I'm trying really hard to say people's names when they're not around as a way to hopefully, yeah, to invite different voices into the space because it's felt very male dominated. Even characters in musicals, there's a lot, if you look at character breakdowns, it's like, I'm also a fat person and I think there's not very many fat people in musical theater on stage and I especially in movement roles and so I would really like to see a bit more change in that direction as far as yeah, just more fat dancers, fat actors, just people really embodying that and celebrating that and then able to see themselves when they come to our shows. So how about you,
0: Sam? What is mentorship or I guess like the concept of mentorship mean mean to you?
2: Getting to pick the brain of anyone in our community and just see another person's perspective on an industry that you love so much mm. that has so many cracks all mm-hmm. over the place yeah it's just important that we just don't look at it through our own eyes all mm-hmm. of the time mm-hmm. i'm someone who will always be pursuing mentorship formally and informally i mean a conversation maybe isn't a mentorship no, I think you're
1: but right yeah oh, i but, think you're onto something
2: Peeking into the brain of a a professional person who has a completely different perspective from you or, you know, an adjacent perspective that, Mm. like, I would say we have maybe adjacent perspectives of the industry. But, you know, seeing the intersections where it's different for us. And that, if you're going to be someone in the room who's behind the table, who's a part of facilitating a beautiful creative process Mm -hmm. for other artists, I think it's really important that you have looked into the experience of other people who aren't yourself or Mm -hmm. don't have the same identity as you. So thank you, Jill, for letting me peek into your brain. Oh my gosh,
0: happy (laughs) to. That was fun. And
2: if you're listening, maybe one day I will peek into yours as well.
0: (laughs) That sounds very ominous. I know it's really, one of those really important things. Like I know when I was coming up, it was really important to be like, you know, we're not competing against each other. Mm -hmm. There's no secrets, there's no tricks, it's just, I would love to sit down with you and learn how I can, you know, be you when I grow up.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Well, I was actually reflecting on this a lot when we were talking, and especially when I was approached to participate in this as a mentor. Like, again, I still feel like a baby child. Like, I I still struggle with that imposter syndrome of yeah. like, do I actually have anything to say that's yeah. going to be useful? But realizing that, I did the same. I would reach out to people and the worst they can say is no or I need to have a nap or whatever. You know, yeah. like the, the answer is not no forever in this way. It's usually like not me right now, but here's another person that you should meet. Yeah, like I like to think and maybe it's a little idealistic, but I, I like to think our community is yeah. like that and you're able to reach out to people if you want clarity on something or a hot take. I love that about our city. So as we're kind of coming
0: to the end of this process, I know that this isn't necessarily going to be the end of your relationship.
1: No, it's over. It's yeah. We cannot we're, we're speak done. again after this. Yeah, we create enemies here at the Village <laughs> Preservation. <Authority. laughs>
0: so uh, what's kind of coming up next for you folks, both individually, as a pair? What's what's what, what's coming up next for, for Sam and Jill?
2: Continuing to be a teacher and choreographer mm-hmm. in the capacity of, you know, weekly classes and stuff with the studios I work at, but also heading into my first project as a choreographer for a show. Yay! Like a full-on musical, which is really exciting, and I think it'll be a, a really good environment to take what I've learned with Jill and go, "Okay, where do I where do I begin? What mm-hmm. is what is Sam's way of approaching this this process and making it a positive experience for the artists that I will be creating choreography for?" Yeah, so I'm really excited for that. And I think it, the timing was really nice mm-hmm. of having this, this mentorship to lead me into that.
1: I'll echo that. The timing of this is really beautiful because I'm I'm going into, uh, into the woods. And for me, uh, because people don't sort of associate that with dance in the way that we imagine it, it's going to be a really wonderful opportunity to get really creative as far as different movement and formations. And I think us having this... Happened so close to the beginnings of that was a wonderful way to get me re-inspired, and I'm feeling a little less nervous about that because I've been able to talk it out with you so much and to um, revisit what we love about it, and the love we share about story and and movement. So I'm really looking forward to doing that and to continuing teaching with the Village Conservatory, of course, and teaching at studios. Tons of teaching. Can people take your class? Keep
2: an eye out okay. at drop-in dance. Great. I hopefully will have a couple of drop-in classes coming up around the holiday season. And I'm hoping to do a, a Broadway-style Ooh. one, which would be fun. You can come see and judge how much I've I was learned about say, history. Yeah, yeah. yeah, really vet. Um, <laughs> Everyone so- come and judge. <laughs> <laughs> Keep an eye out for those. But yeah, you can find me at Drop and Dance quite frequently. I'm also pursuing another mentorship at the moment with Creative Manitoba. Oh, great. With uh, the wonderful Sharon Bajer. Wonderful. uh, Who is leading me through what it's like to be an intimacy director and coordinator. That's something else I'm working on right now as well is my training in that through intimacy directors and coordinators. And what I'm learning there about putting consent at the forefront, mm-hmm. balancing the power dynamics in from the creative team to artists in mm-hmm. both theater and film, I think was a really nice marriage with what we were working on here as a choreographer. And I know that will inform my process as well. Going forwards, any kind of training in, in intimacy work, and there's also courses that are specifically for artists that are just all about how do we navigate consent right. for ourselves Yeah, is so beneficial and informs how you are to work with in any capacity because i know so many of us work as performers and directors Mm -hmm. and choreographers and stage managers and what have you but yeah that's been a a big part of my training in the last little bit and will continue to be
0: yeah because it's essentially just choreography but it's more focused on very specific like hand goes here yeah the choreo of it all exactly that's such a cool parallel so where can folks find you on, on social media, on, on Instagram, on, 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 the, on the tweeters?
1: Oh, those tweeters. I have Instagram at Jillian Willems. Yeah, that's probably the easiest way to reach me if you'd like to, to continue the conversation or reach out and to pick my brain, as Sam would say. I love meeting people and and getting together with friends and colleagues. So reach out. I second that. <laughs> oh, you have the same Instagram? Handle oh yes, yeah. we, just, we yeah. have a shared Instagram now. I, uh,
2: no, I do have my own Instagram. <laughs> at Samantha underscore Hutchings. I also love to talk to people about their perspective. I just love to talk about theater. Mm-hmm. Don't you all? It's the thing that we love to do. And yeah. please reach out if you're interested in getting to know me a little bit better. I'd love to get to know you.
0: Well, thank you both so much for sitting down and doing this. I am super excited for folks to see the piece that you folks have put together. And that you've edited. Thank yes, you. Yes, I'm mm. editing it. <laughs> so I think that's a wrap on Sam and Jill. <gasps> wow. Uh, join us next time where we sit down and talk with uh, the lovely folks at Theatre du Poulet and Parker Kopnick and discuss, you know, what puppetry looks like in the 21st century. See you folks then. It takes- Thank you so much for listening to this episode of It Takes Two. Today's special guests were Jillian Willems and Samantha Hutchings, and this episode was hosted by yours truly, Daphne Finlayson, your friendly neighbourhood producer and editor. Music for this show is provided by Paul DeGers with clips used from Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods. The Village Conservatory gratefully acknowledges the support of the Canada Council for the Arts in making this podcast possible. For more on this podcast and other offerings from the Vic, visit us at villageconservatory.com or follow us on social media at Village Conservatory.